down in front. Welcome back to Old Fogies and Films. Each episode, the members of this panel take turns assigning a film to watch and discuss. We have... Shelly. Eric. Takia. Ruth. And me, Fahad. This round, I assign the Fogies to watch Hush. Hush is a 2016 horror movie directed by Mike Flanagan, who you may know as the director of The Haunting of Hill House, The Haunting of Bly Manor, and Midnight Mass. The movie follows a deaf and mute author named Maddie, played by Flanagan's wife, Kate Siegel, who also co-wrote this movie with her husband. Maddie lives alone in the woods when one night a masked killer appears at her window and begins to torment her. Maddie is able to use her heightened senses to outsmart the killer and ultimately kill him in self-defense. Um, some of the themes I think would be nice to explore while we're talking about this movie are the themes of vulnerability, and the power of the human will to survive. Because I think that really came through when watching this mm-hmm. movie. Um, you know, just my overall thought before going into everybody's opinions is just this movie, it's it's very simple in nature. Like it's a very straight up story that we're watching. Um, but it's a very suspenseful movie that keeps you on the edge of your seat. Like you're always just like, oh, what is she going to do? How is she going to get out of this situation? And it keeps you guessing, like, is she going to even make it? And there are a few like little gotcha scenes in there where you think she's not making it. But um, overall, though, I just I thought it's an enjoyable, simple thriller that did not rest on doing all these crazy things and twists and turns. It just, you know, went the old days where we didn't need all these flashy things to keep us entertained. Uh, so with that, I'll go ahead and just go in the order I see everybody here, and I will start with Takia. Okay. Um, yeah, I I like this I like very, very like, like you said, it's very um, flowed very nicely. When I say flowed, like I liked how everything everything kind of fell into place with her will to survive. Like that's a, like the phrase you use because that, that's kind of what was in my mind in the whole movie. That I me mean, like as as I watched the movie, like I love love the everything that went on while, while the challenges are being deaf while trying to, you know, survive this killer. And um, yeah, because it kept you on the edge. And I, I like that she was, um, well, despite, you know, e- even up to, up to the end when she was already starting to like fade out and, you know, blood loss and all, you know, she still held on to the end and got, you know, basically was able to kill him. And um, yeah, so I don't have a whole lot of deep things say right now at least but 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 i it was just it was, it was a good movie I, I love thrillers this is like right in my area with, with um action suspense so yeah it was it, it kept me wanting more like it was good but, but yet it, it ended appropriately it was it was, it was yeah good ending everything flowed nicely so that's all that's kind of like that's, that's a good just, start yeah yeah, yeah. yeah. Definitely good start there thank you takia um somehow everybody got all jiggled up so eric <laughs> uh you went from last to being next I jiggled to the top. <laughs> um, yeah, I really, really enjoyed it, of course. I shouldn't be surprised. Mike Flanagan, I, I realized when I was looking through his IMDb after watching this, I have seen every single one of his movies now, except his uh, first feature film, Absentia. 
So as soon as I check that one off the list, I've seen every series he's done in every movie. Uh, I didn't even realize that he did a Ouija Origin of Evil. So ah. that's on the list too. <laughs> I know that. Ooh, yeah. The best um, of the series. Yeah. Yeah. So True. he's obviously very, very talented at these kinds of um, tense, uh, this tense direction uh, of action um, and, and the emotion in a storyline. So he pulled it off perfectly. I love movies with single settings and small casts. Uh, that have clever scripts like this. And there's not a lot of dialogue, obviously, so it, the it, it, the choreography has to be clever. Um, and I also, I've always loved a survival movie. Uh, you know, for instance, like Crawl, uh, that was the one, right, where there's a hurricane and her house is filling with water in Florida and there's gators and stuff like that. It's, 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 or The Shallows with, uh, with Blake Lively. You know, one good. person against basically insurmountable odds and watching them come come to terms with it and then turning the tables in their own favor. Cause there's points in this movie where you can, you can see that she's, she's really not, she doesn't feel like she's built for this and this is not going to end well. And she, she even counts herself out at one point. I mean, she, she leaves that amazing note, which was very smart on, on, by the way, on her laptop to describe the man uh, and then, and then and make a note to her family uh, to say goodbye sort of kind of planning for the worst because she knows that she's probably not going to make it out of this. So, you know, I loved that. And I love that uh, it's not the most typical survival movie because she has a disability, which adds to what Fahad was talking about, the vulnerability of her character. Um, there's only, you know, she, she's capable of a lot of things. You know, she's only, she, she, she only can't hear. That's, you know, that's not everything. She's, she's fully capable otherwise. But that does, you know, when you're trying to hide from somebody, when you're trying to survive a situation, that's a sense that, you know, you find yourself imagining while you're watching this movie, if I couldn't hear anything, would I, would I know what was going on? Would I be able to protect myself? Like, how do you know? At any point she's in that house, if he had smashed through a window and gotten in, she wouldn't even have known that it had happened. So mm -hmm. as soon as she leaves the room or, just, or makes her own plan to do something else, she doesn't know where he is. So, I mean, that makes it very much more stressful than the typical <clears throat> survival movie. Uh, I was thinking uh, that it actually reminded me in a lot of ways to Sick, uh, a movie that Takiya and Fahad and I just watched a few days ago. Uh, just because the remote setting, uh, the fact that for most of the movie, you have no idea why they're being targeted or attacked and they're just trying to survive it. Right. Um, <clears throat> So at least with uh, sick, we did get an answer at the end why they were being targeted. Yes. Whereas this and, movie. And, and I I'm sure there are others on this panel who will agree with me that I really, really was hoping that I would find out some reason. Like, what is this guy's deal? What is this problem? Um, he didn't seem uh, you know challenged or or mentally ill in any way. He didn't uh, he didn't seem to have actually any reason whatsoever for what he was doing, that he, he didn't claim to have any reason. Uh, he didn't even know these people. So I don't know, it's, it's just, but I guess that's the nature of a lot of violence is it's senseless. It, it, I mean, there usually is in the real world some kind of reason for it, but it often seems senseless anyway. So that falls in line with that line of thinking. Maybe it's like what you said with sick, but maybe it relates here. Maybe it was purge night and she didn't realize or remember. <laughs> Yeah, maybe she went out there, she thought she'd avoid Purge Night, but nope, Purge Night will find you. <laughs> um, I thought it was interesting that she, I mean, she only, she's only been deaf since she 
is 15, uh, 13 years old, but she, they found some ways to show that she, she understood the power of sound over other people. Uh, like for instance, I, I, I mean, it just struck me the way she was trying to get her cat to come inside and she shook the food bowl. She can't hear that happening, but she knows that the cat does and that it is an important sound for her and it will attract her. Uh, but I do wish that the movie played up more on that aspect of it, of her, of her using sound against him or, or her maybe failing to survive because, because she's deaf. Um, because I don't really, they didn't do too much of that, honestly. I, you know, I was expecting there to be moments where, you know, like I said, like maybe he does break in and, you know, we see her in a room planning something and we hear the broken glass, but she doesn't. That, that would have been a very tense, uh, tense knowledge for the audience, you know, a uh, third person omniscient kind of thing. Well, I think they did kind of do that with the bathroom scene where she's up right up against the bathtub and she doesn't even realize he came in through the skylight and is right yeah. there behind her. And, and then she did use her senses when she felt the little breath on her neck that she then knew he was right there. That was a good, good moment. That was a very subtle moment. I like that. Yeah. I thought that was a good way of like she had it against her in a way you know that she couldn't hear, but then because he knew she couldn't hear, that was at her advantage because she felt that because you know what I mean? Yeah. Yeah, she totally used that to her advantage. Because that's not something any of us would think. That just mm-hmm. if I let out like a little bit of a breath that, you know, we don't think that because we don't have to, that there are these other things, like other cues or things to pay attention, like the yeah. vibration of the alarm, you know, that we wouldn't think that, oh God, why is it so loud? If she can't hear it, why is she making it so loud? Yeah. It's because she needs to feel the vibrations if she's asleep. Yeah. yeah. Uh, it really did a number on him though. I was like, how loud is that thing in the in the real world? Because he could like barely like you can function. look in its direction. Oh. So that was interesting. So yeah, I mean, I still wish that he, he made more noises that she couldn't hear or she used her, I don't know how she would, but used her her lack of hearing or no, not used her lack of hearing, but maybe used um, other sentence more heightened than his. She did um, feel the vibrations though, like when he was walking on the on the, um, the deck. Okay. But, I, but I wanted to maybe a little more of that or to, mm-hmm. for it to be like a kind of, what's the word I'm looking for? Uh, consequential plot points. More. You wanted her to be daredevil. Uh, I read that. Yeah. A little bit. Yeah. Um, I read that uh, Stephen mm-hmm. King really liked this movie and he compared it to wait until dark, mm-hmm. oh, interesting. which is a movie from, I think it's the late seventies, maybe it's the early eighties, but it stars Audrey Hepburn actually. And it's a horror movie. It's about a blind woman though, who lives alone and people break into her home. Uh, and she does use, she, she uses, the fact that she knows her apartment better uh, without sight than they do to turn the tables on them towards the end, which is it's like a really great third act for that movie. And you should watch that if you, uh, if you ever get a chance. Um, I made a note here that uh, in the beginning when he's wearing the mask, it was, I kind of enjoyed the mask. It had a slight smile to it. It looked very affable, like, like a nice guy. Yeah, it gave me a strange kind of feeling about him. Like, oh, you know, this he, this guy's, I don't know, like he's kind of cute. <laughs> okay, <laughs> and, and he had like an agility to him. You know, he's not like a Voorhees character, like just plodding along. But then he take takes it off, and he's just got total dick face. So <laughs> from that moment, I was like, okay, I don't even. You know, I didn't know who this person was before, but now I definitely hate him. Uh, 
but like I said, I, I wanted to know what his deal was, but I, I get that, you know, it's not important to the movie, I suppose. Uh, I wanted to ask you guys a, a question when it comes to be your turns again, or when it comes back around uh, and Takia. If, he, if there was no mask at all, because he takes it off pretty early and he's not wearing it the rest of the time. If there had never been, if he had never worn a mask, would you have still called this a horror movie? Yeah, I would have. Yeah, well. It is more thriller, but but I had one of the podcasts that I listened to uh, recently, one of the hosts made an offhanded comment about how he was annoyed when people would, would say that thrillers are not horror. And I hadn't really given it much thought. I usually make the distinction too, but I, but I also recognize there's a ton of overlap, like a lot of overlap. But his point was that there, it's, not a, it's not a useful distinction whatsoever, that uh, most horrors are thrillers and most thrillers, I mean, there's a lot of fear involved and terror, terrorizing. So, yeah. um, I mean, although, you know, I would say that The Game, for instance, is a thriller, but I would not call it horror. Well, I was going to say The Net is a thriller, but it's not yeah. horror. So I guess because he's attacking her, this would be horror for you guys, with or without the mask. Attacking, there's gore. Like, I mean, he kills the neighbors, both of them. And I mean, like, those are gory scenes. Yeah. Very true. Uh, And she gets her face smashed in, in one of her multiple- Oh, her hand. Oh, Oh, yeah, yeah, in the hand. You can hear that. Much pain. I felt so pain, you know, so much pain for her. That was you terrible. Too. Yeah. Yeah. I, I feel like uh, for for me as a regular person, that's one of the those injuries that what happens to her hand in the movie, where oh. I might have just sort of, I don't know, gone into such complete shock that I wouldn't have been able to fight any longer. Um, uh, you know, you never know how you're going to react until you're in that situation. If and God forbid you ever are, but. But she instead, I don't know, it, she like turns and she gets this resolve and just stands up. I was like, I think I would have just been out of my mind. Just I wouldn't have been able to look at my hand for one. But it's the power of the human will to survive. Yeah. Yes. But that scene where he's bashing her head in, I really thought it was happening. And I was trying to figure out, like, how's this movie going to end? Like, what's the point of this movie? But it was, make it, it was, everyone yeah. die. But literally, literally the moment he finishes bashing her head in, though, when her head sort of falls to the side, before she s- says anything, I, I realized, oh, okay, nope, we're going back to what she said to her friend about being inside her own head and seeing all the possible endings for, for a story. Yes. I was like, okay, 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 because there's no way that she, she's actually dead. Exactly. Normally, I hate fake outs like that, but I like that it tied into <laughs> what she was saying. Like, that's the way her brain works. She thinks through the possible outcomes or endings and... I like that. Um, so I had a couple random notes here that I'll go through before I close. Uh, one of them is Midnight Mass. Yes. I was waiting for somebody to bring it up. For international bestseller. I had no idea. <laughs> <laughs> Do you remember when I introduced the movie last episode? I said, pay attention to the bo- name of the book that she Oh, <laughs> oh yeah. I was, I was excited to see that. And I guess they base it off of that right after a few years after this movie. Yeah, he decided to turn the book from the movie Hush into an actual story. That's crazy. And look how well it did. Gee. And they talk about the characters' names. He talks, she says Riley is such a great yeah. character. Yeah. Oh my God, it's, it's so cool. And um, I also I, I wanted to just talk about how great of an actress Kate Siegel was in this. Mm-hmm. I even thought to myself at one point in it, I asked myself, does she have a deaf family member, maybe in real life? Because she just some of her mannerisms seemed very studied to me. Like she actually understood how somebody who hasn't been able to hear for 20 years 
um, how they sort of move themselves and the, the expressions they might make or gestures. And um, so I, I thought she was very incredible. As far as her character though, well, I loved her character, but there were, there were just a couple notes here I made about things that happened in the movie. One was when she throws the flashlight to, 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 to sort of misdirect him. Oh my gosh. She, how far did she throw it? A football? I'm pretty sure if it was me, I'd be like throwing my hardest and it would end up like 10 feet from the side of the house. <laughs> so, okay. I, I, that seemed a little unrealistic because it was deep in the woods. <laughs> but okay. Okay. She's got quite an arm on her. Uh, and then there was that moment where that the boyfriend showed up of her friend, the neighbor showed up and he only got killed because she didn't know that the killer was there. And she, she distracted and was like, Oh my God, you just got him killed. She did kill him. Got him yeah. killed. That was, that, one, that was that a really was good scene. Funny. I like that scene. It was, it was very, yeah. it was very tense. Cause like the, the killer did a great job pretending to be a rookie cop who's just not doing things quite as well as he should. And then the boyfriend was catching on. You're like, oh, this is it. He's going to really help her. Yeah. I wonder though, I, I, I mean, in a real life situation, again, you never know how you're going to react, but I wondered if I would not have caught on a little earlier because first of all, he is not wearing any kind of uniform. Yeah, that's a good point. You didn't have a badge to show or for him? Nothing. To... I mean, he claims that this, these things were... I mean, he claimed his gun was taken from him and I guess whatever else he may have <laughs> He's not dressed for it, but he responded to the call. I don't think that they nor they typically call in plainclothes officers to respond to serious situations. If, if he was off duty, they would have gotten somebody on duty to come and then yeah. maybe asked him to come as backup after he like sort of put on his uniform. I don't know. I, that would have been my first clue. That I was like, this is not right. <laughs> But um, that was pretty sad that he yeah. <laughs> you can see you, you, you can see his face yeah. that he was that he was kind of realizing something still seemed smelled funny. Oh, he he, I, he could tell pretty early on. Like I think he was. Yeah, his like, face said. No, she keeps the extra key. His, I like how his face yeah. was. No, that, that, was, was that was a good plan he had. He had a good yeah. plan. Yeah, it's over there. The key. It's in that planter. She really. Yeah. Um, so. The last thing I was going to say is that I, at the beginning of the movie, as they're you know, introducing us to the character and we're learning things about her, I made three predictions, uh, but only one of them actually panned out and kind of one and a half of them panned out. So my three predictions were bitch, cat, and endings. I thought <laughs> that I thought there was going to be a moment where uh, she would get him, she would get him cornered and, and beaten and she'd have him dead to rights. And right before the final blow, she would say she would call him a bitch. Just to sort of tie it back to the beginning where she had taught her friend that word, like, you're a little bitch, you're dead now. Uh, I thought that the cat was going to come back and play some sort of role, which the cat did. So that's the one that I that totally panned out because it was because the cat distracted him that she was able to get that shot in with, yeah. the, with the crossbow because he was not looking where he should have been looking. But the third one, endings, what I thought was going to happen uh, was, because she was talking about she has having a hard time finding an ending for her novel. I thought that once this all finished, there was going to be a scene where she finally turns back to the novel and she knows exactly how to end it, you know, mm -hmm. as you do. But that didn't happen. But what did happen was the fact, the description she talked about how she tries to come up with endings, that did come into play with how she, she mapped it out in her head about what was possible and what she would need to do. So that was why it kind of half worked. 
I think the reason your first prediction didn't come to fruition is because that's also her cat's name and she doesn't want to tarnish the name of her cat by calling this guy that. Well, cat survived, so, you know. Oh, I'm so glad she interrupted him. I was like, don't you. It made me think of that Netflix documentary, Don't Fuck With Cats. Oh, it's called. oh, yeah. And I was like, he's exactly the kind of person, right? He's probably been killing animals since he was a kid. Uh, yeah. So that's it for me. I really, really enjoyed it. Very well done. Thank you, Eric. Uh, moving on to the next person on my list is Shelly. Yay, I was hoping. I have so much I want to say. Um, <laughs> so I loved it. I really, I really enjoyed it. I love movies that have small casts. Um, and I loved how I was pulled in immediately. Her friend was killed so early in the movie. Aww. I was not expecting that. Yeah. So that was so shocking. And then um, I, I loved, I just, I, I really enjoyed it. Um, the only thing that drove me crazy is the fact that she lost hearing at 13 from meningitis, but she didn't lose her vocal cords. They didn't explain why she was mute. And if you lost your hearing when you were 13, you'd still be able to talk. You, you wouldn't be able to hear yourself, but you would still be able to have the word come out. And that drove me crazy yep. because I want to explain why she wasn't able to make any sounds. I want to and go I back thought especially this, when she, I, I want to go back and, and, and watch that scene where, where she says when she lost it, just to see word for word what she says. I wonder if she says, she did say she lost like, I thought she, it was more than one thing, not, like not just her hearing, but I don't know if meningitis can affect your vocal cords, but I was thinking the same thing. I was like, during a lot of this, I was like, even if she couldn't speak words, I feel like she'd be, I'd be screaming a lot. I mean, just, you know, the, yeah. even if she can't hear the sound, like just yeah. out of yeah. It's explained in, in Wikipedia. I was so. about to say, it's Takia, exactly what yeah. you were going to say, yeah. yeah. Go ahead, Takia. Go to Takia. Wikipedia. Yeah. Well, yeah, the, the, the basically, yeah, it's, it explains more in Wikipedia how she lost her vocal cords. She, she partially lost them, then, then fully lost them. Well, yeah. why? Yeah. Say why? In the movie, did it say why? Not just Wikipedia. Yeah, I'm wondering if they cut out bits in the movie. I think they cut that out. And then he did. explained later on, but it was yeah. due to the meningitis. It caused part, like Takia said, the partial damage to her vocal cords, and then later surgeries actually caused permanent damage because they were unsuccessful. Surgeries to try to repair them. I think so. Yeah. So be, I guess because of that, you couldn't even scream. But Shelly, I felt the same way you did when I was watching. It was like, but she lost it at thirteen. She could. She knows how to talk still. But if she's vocal paralysis, that makes sense. But they should have said it or signed it. It didn't. It just bothered me a little bit. Yeah. Um, and I wanted to know so badly what his motivation was. Like, why did he show up and like? knock on the neighbor's door like what because she and the neighbor were just talking earlier right it was yeah. the same day and i don't even want to know why oh and then i wanted to ask you all was they did they mention a like is the number 13 because like on his on his um crossbow like 13 um was etched like 13 marks were etched in oh. it you Kill well, count? and she lost her hearing at, at 13. So I was curious oh. if, if there was unlucky a, for some. It was unlucky for her, but now it's oh, there's a, there's another 13 in Wikipedia. It says he killed Sarah, the neighbor, by stabbing her 13 times. <gasps> Ooh. Uh. 
Oh, Shelly, you're onto something with this number of details. I was just curious. So they didn't talk about that. It's just something. On the friend, by the way, I wonder if you if you have an opinion on this. I felt like she may not have ever even made it home. I think she was like walking home and he caught her before she ever even got home. And then she started running the other way from him. That was so sad, though. I felt so bad for her because she's like, I know. And then I kept thinking, I kept thinking when her friend was being stabbed right at her door, would she not sense? Because sometimes do you like sense that someone's there, even though might not hear them. I kept thinking, is she going to sense that she's there? Well, I thought she hear the vibrations from the door being banged on. I think she was too busy scrubbing the pan. Yeah. 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 Oh, yeah, and then the other thing is that they didn't, did they, so a lot of it was talking about, or had to do with her friend, like the boyfriend, I assume it was her boyfriend, the relationship with, I think it was Craig, and she kept calling, yeah. and I wanted that to be resolved, like did that have anything else happen with it? Like, did they end up getting back together? Did they not? What? Because it was like an important, you know. That is a little bit of a, a dropped story because why even have it in the movie? I, I can't think of a reason why it has to be there. Can you I think the only reason, I, I think one reason why it worked having it in the movie is so when she wrote on in the lipstick that my boyfriend will be home soon, we as the audience knew that oh. that's, a lie like she doesn't have a conversation with her sister yeah because we had, as the audience might have if that part wasn't in the movie we might have assumed oh she has a boyfriend that's coming home yeah mm-hmm. and it also might help explain exactly like partly why she left and is now living alone in the woods she needed to get away from that relationship needs to get away to focus on writing her book like all of that yeah it seemed like she didn't totally want to get away from the relationship though no, it seems like she wanted to talk to him a bit. But you make a good point. That that could be a good reason why it was useful to tell us about him. Yeah, that's a good point. But I really enjoy, I mean, I just, I enjoyed that very much. It was a good thriller. Cool. Uh, by the way, the friend, did you recognize her? Yeah, Midnight yes, Mass. Midnight Mass. I, I, I'm telling you, uh, this is the third thing I've seen her in, all my Flanagan stuff, but because uh, Takia, she's also in Midnight Club. Uh, she's a kind of a chameleon because I don't recognize her any of the times I see her. Oh, really? Her character is always different. Well, I didn't catch on either until I saw the big round face. I mean, she says, she's she's, she's cute. You know, like she's, you know, she's a big round, huge pumpkin head. So when I saw- (laughs) Okay, okay. if you're listening, Miss Sloyan, you do not have a big pumpkin head. Very beautiful. I'm sorry, okay. Exactly. The point was like, that's why I recognized her. She has a certain, her head is very round, has a certain feature. So that's why I saw that she had makeup on, she looked different, but at the same time, oh, that's a woman from Midnight Mass. See, yeah, so. I never recognize her, but it- it, because the characters are always so different from each other. I'm the opposite. I'm able to pick her out immediately because I've known her since she was actually on Grey's Anatomy and oh. she has a very notorious role on Grey's Anatomy. Oh, She's the doctor that was operating on um, Derek where he died. Oh. She oh. didn't because he was taken to the hospital where she was uh, the surgeon at. I guess her training just wasn't as good as like at good hospitals. So Derek, had he been in another hospital, might have lived. So to kill Patrick Dempsey's character, that's a pretty notorious uh, uh, um, thing that you're known for. So that's how I've always known actresses. You're Shepard's killer. <laughs> <laughs>
Uh, oh. And then she comes back to try to like redeem herself and you know whatnot. But yeah, I, I love just how Mike Flanagan is similar to like some of these other directors or creators of shows or movies that likes to use the actors and actresses throughout. I love it. That's my favorite. Yeah. I love, um, yeah, directors that do that. And ironically, Kate Siegel plays Maddie who wrote Midnight Mass in this story. And she also stars as the main character in Midnight Mass. Yeah. He also co-wrote this movie with her. Hmm. I, I mentioned that in my introduction. Oh, sorry, I missed it. Um, they also <laughs> the only other thing he and Mike Flanagan got married one month before this movie premiered. Oh, wow. Well, I assume they were dating when they were doing this, but then they got married before it premiered. Mm-hmm. All right, last thing. The only other thing that bothered me was that she she crossbowed him. She got him right in the chest, but it seemed like her leg, it, it took out more than his um, chest shot because yeah. she was losing all this yeah. blood and, I, and it didn't seem to slow him down much. I it was wondering if he had more padding, like in that kind yeah. of military yeah. type outfit yeah. thing he was wearing. Yeah, yeah. good point. But, I, but it, it did occur to me too. I mean, I thought that her injuries didn't seem to be so severe that she shouldn't be able to make it through this alive. But there was a lot of blood coming out of that. There blood. was a lot of blood, yeah. Oh, I, and then she poured the alcohol on it. I felt that. Yeah. That how about the scene where she sprays him in the eye with the wa- the hornets? I was just about to say that. So <laughs> good. That whole sequence where she set it up and home alone him, home alone yeah. him in a way. I, yeah. I love. This is this is going to sound really stupid, but I'm going to say it anyway. So when I was watching the movie, you know how she wrote on the window in lipstick, uh, um, what was it? Didn't okay, won't tell, didn't see. Right. Boyfriend's coming soon. Yeah, I thought that it's, I don't know, in my head I thought, wouldn't it be cool if at some point, because when she turns the tables and she gets a little more like Rambo about it, like I'm going to make it through this and this guy's going to pay. Uh, I thought, what if she like erases some of the words and it, and it was like, what could it say? It could say, don't see coming. And I was like, oh, what if she blinds him? And then the, the deaf woman blinds him. And then that's when she gets the drop on him. And, and then, so when she did that, I was like, oh, she blinded him. <laughs> With science. I was hoping she would have written, you should have bought a squirrel. <laughs> she blinded him with science. With science. <laughs> cheesy, I know. It is, it is cheesy. <laughs> <laughs> it's, a good, it's a good A song, right? Moving okay. on. <laughs> Shelly, anything else on your end? No, I'm good. Okay, Ruth, over to you now. Yeah, so I was skeptical at first because y'all know who I am about like horror or movies like that, but um, I was a little wary at first. Um, I did actually really enjoy it. Um, I thought it was really good and it was suspenseful and it got me to root for her throughout the whole thing. Um, uh, you know, I liked her as a person, but the the one thing, a couple things that bother me, I just can't not say is like something that I thought was funny was her neighbor, neighbor Sarah. Thought it was funny in her phone. She put Sarah neighbor. <laughs> Sarah next door. Stuff like that. Next door. <laughs> and then there's never, I looked up like, cause I was just curious. I would not remember, not forget like all of the uh, cast names. There isn't even a name for the for the bad guy. It just says man. <laughs> the man. The man, yeah. So that kind of bu- bugged me a little bit. Um, 
I was kind of thinking the same thing too with y'all as far as like wondering if her neighbor actually got all the way home. But then now that I think about it too, I guess because like y'all are staying too, if her boyfriend went to go check check on her, then I'm assuming that that she didn't. Um or he got well. home later, maybe, but yeah, um, yeah. I just I think assumed was, he got home later. I think it was mostly because she her. still had her phone in her back pocket like she did when she was there visiting her. And I thought, well, that seems to me like she didn't go home because she probably if she went home, she would have taken right. her um, That's uh, true. That's oh yeah, because she was trying to get her phone out of her. Yeah, she of, was it was how like horrible pants. that mean. Wouldn't that be terrible to have to dig through your friend, your friend, your dead, your friend, dead friend's body for the their phones? While still thinking the killer can just show up at any moment, like it's yes, all psychological yes. mind bleep. And it's so amazing. I don't know if this was intentional, but they set it at fall, so all everywhere is covered in crunchy leaves from autumn. And so he can easily hear her if she tries to step around that house anytime, but she can't hear a single thing if he's coming. Yeah. Not fair. Um, did, did anybody notice how, in my opinion, dangerous the um, staircase up to the second level was? It goes just straight up into the floor and there's no railing at the top. So if you're on the second floor and you're just walking without paying attention, you fall all the way down. Yeah. Right. I just <laughs> noticed like a villain of the story, Fahad. You what? <laughs> Is that the second villain of the story, Fahad? Yes, the staircase. <laughs> the menacing. <laughs> um, oh, on her friend, though, checking for the phone, very upsetting. But it's probably a good thing that she doesn't realize that she could have saved her friend if she had just been able to see her through the window <laughs> in the kitchen. Oh, yeah. I guess she never will well, realize that, right? She doesn't know it happened there. Yeah, could no. she have saved her friend, though? Even if she saw her friend, if she turned around to walk and open, the guy shot her with an arrow. So that I think he still would have been able to get her with the arrow. Well, he was stabbing her. Was that that he had a knife? Oh, okay. Well, I, yeah. So I think he would have been able to shoot her with the arrow. Maybe he wouldn't have been able to get up there and stab her. But well, all he, now he, she's he, now he, dealing he with her friend him. who's dying from an arrow wound while also trying to stave off this guy. I think if she had saved her friend, it would have ended up in both their deaths. Not necessarily. Yeah. I think uh, she would have been too focused on trying to save or help her friend. But then she got her um her neighbor's boyfriend. Yeah, exactly. See, she got him killed, so she would have gotten this girl killed and herself killed. If he wouldn't have been distracted, he would have been okay, I think. (laughs) Yeah, I think she would have had a fighting chance, though. I mean, he can't, he couldn't have reloaded the crossbow. That's why he was using the knife up close. Oh, yeah. And I think that, you know, if she opens the door and they're all tumbling inside, you know, there's a chance to to fight him. She would have had her cell phone. Uh, and you they can do it together because she wasn't really gone yet. With someone that uses um, arrows as their murder weapon. Yeah. Did you say how? Said it's our second movie yes. with a um, yes. arrow oh. murder weapon. Uh, how demented how- and cocky do you have to be to hunt people down with an arrow? Because it's like, you know, you, you in your mind, like I can I can take them out with an, just a simple bow and arrow. Well, he had a crossbow, but still. He clearly likes the the hunting. Oh, yeah. Is why he played the entire movie. He likes the, them to be chased. He likes them to be terrorized. Yeah. He wants it to be slow. So, you know, a gun is just too easy. You know, one shot. Yeah. He wants to really have to work for it, which is some like gross kind of thing in his head about like, he's proud of himself for his kills because he earned yeah. them. I mean, that's why he marks them on his crossbow, right? I earned that. <laughs> 
Yeah. I'd like yeah. to know his backstory. Like, is is this his first kill or like how many? Well, I can tell you he probably works in the local uh, militia um, <laughs> and he's probably very proud of it. And I'm sure he was, he was on, if he had survived, he would have been on the Capitol lawn. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. What brought him it's, to that neighborhood? Well, it's like those movies. Do you guys remember the movie from, I think it was like 2008, The Strangers? And then, or 2009, I don't remember. But then there was a sequel to it, like later on, 2018, Strangers Pray at Night. And the whole point is that they just show up at a person's house to kill them. That's the one with Liv Tyler. Okay, and yes. at least the first one. I don't know about the second one. I haven't seen either of them, but I know Liv Tyler's on the, the first second one. one's a different cast. Okay, because everyone dies. <laughs> <laughs> I've seen. I I don't remember if I've seen the first one. It was two thousand eight. At my house. Oh, so like, we did see the first one. Okay. At, um, do you remember that it was like um, Halloween party or something? That sounds very familiar. My now. very first house, like. 15 years ago. Okay, okay, that makes sense. And then I've seen, I've seen Strangers Pray at Night, 2018 one. Is the uh, that same style, what? Is The Strangers 15 years old? Yeah, 2008. Oh my Whoa! God. Wow. <laughs> I really a blind spot then, because I hear people talk about that movie. <laughs> Apparently I've just not watched it for 15 years on purpose. I enjoyed it. I, I remember enjoying that and I enjoyed the second one as well. But for people, you know, if you want that backstory or that motivation, like the motive, like, why do they do it? You're not really going to get it. <laughs> They're just there to kill. Oh, Scott Speedman was in it as well. Ooh, Eric sure. Glenn Howerton was in it. What? Yeah. Interesting. I guess he must have been one of the killers. That's really weird. So I didn't realize, like, uh, <laughs> how he did the crossbow that I guess I didn't think about it because I've never used a crossbow that it was actually pretty complicated to figure out because I was thinking oh she would probably be able to figure out pretty easily but then I realized no I guess it's not that easy (laughs) I think she's just not strong enough to pull back uh like when I was a kid I used to use a compound bow um and so because of the like yeah, my dad's probably gonna listen to this and say that I'm butchering the description, but you know, there's a, like a pulley system, like tension, to, you know, to create um, weight on the pole. So you have to oh, have okay. enough strength to pull it back, and it takes a bit. Um, and that way, you know, the the arrow flies a lot faster and farther if you do that. So I, but I, it did seem like she was having more difficulty than I thought she should. But I mean, maybe it's I don't know what the pound strength on that pole is. It may have been pretty rough. That's true. Yeah, I didn't think about that. But yeah, that's uh, the other thing too. Yeah, I want to know what his backstory was, and I kind of was hoping. I want. I still wanted to know more about Craig. I wanted to know if he was a good guy or if he was a jerk, or maybe if she was able to get a hold of him, he would go and save her or something. I don't know. (laughs) Well, the way that the sister reacted about Craig still contacting her, it sounded like Craig the relationship needed to end and she doesn't want her sister engaging back. So it sounds like, I mean, obviously it could also be slanted in the way she explained to her sister what really happened, but it makes it seem like he's the reason that they broke up. Yeah, that's like true. She needed to get out of that relationship with him. And Did anyone learn trying- any good words in sign language for this from this movie? <laughs> oh, I forgot, I forgot how she did bitch, but that was how it came out to me. 
He's like, those of you listening, Eric is signing it right now. <laughs> yeah, trying to show. <laughs> but that's very close to water, I think, right? I don't know. Can you be a water bitch? Is that Neytiri in Avatar 2? <laughs> <laughs> Maybe I'm forgetting what water really is, but I thought Shelly just did it. Water. It is? Okay, so it's very it's a little close. It is close. <laughs> Gotta be very specific. <laughs> so Ruth, anything else on your end? I think that's pretty much it. But I think, yeah, as far as too with her thoughts, like you're saying, because she is a writer, I think it was good for her to be able to play different scenarios in her head about things that she might be able to do to help herself survive. What would you all do if this were happening to you? It's you know, a horrifying, it's horrifying, like, situation. Yeah, that went through start. my head. You can't Like, no, I kept thinking, what would I do? What would I do? I kept thinking that I need somehow to build, like, a little escape room in my house. <laughs> like, <laughs> something where they can't cut electricity off from, they can't, like, I have a secondary phone with service, like, you know, like, all that kind of stuff in this room. So I have a way to at least contact the outside world. Make sure you have a phone on you at all times. <laughs> yeah, exactly. That's the thing. And, is, and I think you want a panic room, not an escape room. You don't want to. Oh, that's what I meant, a panic room. room. <laughs> no, it's when you're trapped in there and you have a new title. problem. Wrong movie title. Um, <laughs> actually, both would be, I want a panic room and a room in which I can escape without being fired. Yeah. <laughs> and I thought it was clever that they had him get her phone in the beginning. Yeah, because that made it last longer. I mean, it would have been over if she was able to. Well, yeah. You know, when I was thinking about what I would do, it bothered me that it took so long of the movie for her to go upstairs. My first thing—I don't know if it's right or wrong—but my first thing would have been to go upstairs and find a place, or I don't know, find something to use against him. Just putting as much distance between me and him as I could. I mean, she knows the house better than he does. Yes, but the problem is, is she stayed down for the most part where she could maintain eyesight of where he is. Yeah. Like when he was going around the house, she was following around because the minute she goes upstairs, I know he's in control. But she can't see him all the time anyway. And I yeah. think, I mean, I would have realized early on, um, he's gonna get in eventually. He's he that's his goal. He's not gonna walk away from this. So I need to find a way to defend myself from that. I need to find a way to do that because. Uh, it's pretty, you know, pretty clear. He's got a crossbow. I'm not going to be able to get slip outside of the house and then just run. He'll just hunt me through the woods and I'll be dead. Oh, so, well, so anyway, I was just, I, 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 I screamed with such like, I was like, yes, finally, when she went upstairs. Well, what do I was like, thank you. Go upstairs. Yeah. What do y'all think about as far as like, is it an advantage and disadvantage of where, how her house is so open with not really any like blinds or curtains so it's I like thinking that too Ruth yeah we're on the so same much glass everywhere I was like can... that's the problem with having a bright and open house breakable entry points everywhere yeah I, my house I have this door that door the windows here on the ground level are blocked by a tv they'll fall if they try to get through that but at <laughs> least she could see him like that would be frustrating if you were stuck inside you didn't know where he was but he could see her too yeah yeah that's why it's hard to yeah a little of one a little yeah <laughs> yeah so i was wondering what y'all thought between the two or i guess i'm kind of in between the two 
I guess it's really good glass though, because he did try to smash it open and he yeah. tried really hard and I he just made that. a bunch of spider webs and uh and didn't actually get in. So I was like, wow, that this is you know tempered strong glass. Yeah. <laughs> I don't think any of the glass in this house probably is. I think one rock and they're inside. I mean, killers aside, if I were living alone in the middle of the woods, I would not want to have so much glass around me because I would just be freaked out by what could be standing and looking at me at any moment. Yeah. Like, yeah. Or uh, the guy, any of the bad guys from Scream. <laughs> Anything. Yeah. I just, it's just an irky feeling. I'm like, I would not want that. And just in my mind, just because it's glass, I think it's so easy for anybody to get in. Like, I don't want an all glass door. I wanted yeah. to know if there were other neighbors, like if she, could she get out and run to someone else's house? Mm. Yeah, like how far was Sarah's house from her? Yeah. Yeah, yeah. This, this this is the kind of movie definitely where I kept on putting myself in her place. Yeah, and, the yeah. Whole time. and the movie also did a good job sometimes actually putting you in her place. If you notice, sometimes they cut off all sound. Mm-hmm. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. And it's like, like, oh, you know, and yeah. Those are some interesting moments there. Mm-hmm. Cool. And she used the uh, four, but I liked how she used from her disadvantage for the advantage to use against him with him being able to hear with the that alarm and stuff to, to buy her yeah. something. Yeah. yeah, it just shows that what we might deem as a disadvantage to somebody, you know, they're able to use to their advantage because we take things for granted so much that we don't realize like, other ways of quote unquote looking at things or understanding the world. And uh, so this movie did a good job in terms of showcasing that. And that was also a nice twist on this whole cat and mouse killer stalker kind of genre. That, I'm uh, glad that the police still showed up, even though she couldn't speak into the phone on 911 to say, hey, I've been attacked. The man is dead. Please come help. Uh, so I'm glad they still could. I was like, are they going to come if she can't say anything to them? I mean, this isn't like a, what do they call that service? TTD or something for the hearing impaired. It just looked like she was calling the normal 911 line. And uh, may, what I decided in the end was they could probably hear on the 911 call that alarm still going off in her house and said, well, even though we can't get any information from this person, let's, let's track the call because we can hear that something has happened and someone can't speak to us but i don't know i was like i think you can text 911 now i think say what i think you can text 911 now but she called and just left it open on the i know i was just but yeah i think you're you're right i think you can and scream i remember the first scream how nev campbell um she she did through the computer but which seemed pretty advanced for that time in 1996 (laughs) yeah i remember she like got on the computer and was trying to like like she what's your emergency the year before now <laughs> i think it takes longer for them to track this has nothing to do with the movie it's just random information if you call 911 and don't say anything um you have to stay on the line a certain amount of time if you're on a cell phone because they have to track your where your phone is compared to if you called it from a landline then they can uh, more easily find where um like where the call is coming from. It would have been a bad idea for her to get like life alert. You know, they, they have received, you know, for oh. the elderly, but they, the necklace. that would help, help <laughs> to that. And then, you know, yeah, I guess what would life alert be connected? Is life alert connected to like a satellite system or is it connected through Wi-Fi now? Because he cut yeah. off the power and the Wi-Fi. Magic. Isn't life alert? 
it's a talisman, right? Yeah. I thought I was under the impression that it works without electricity because like someone a senior citizen falls while oh yeah no no I meant I meant the communication method is it through Wi-Fi is it a mobile signal is it a satellite signal because mobile she might not have gotten service all the way there hasn't life alert existed since before Wi-Fi it has so that's why I'm wondering if it's through satellite or if it's that's why I thought it was magic I mean I don't know I don't know that's a good question how does that work Hmm. um yeah but I just kept thinking because I've seen so many stories of like somebody calling 911 and 911 believes that it's a joke or a, or that they're wasting 911's time and they just don't follow up. And I thought, you know, like if, if, you know, she, she dials it and she doesn't say anything, uh, is the person on there at the line going to take it seriously or, or just going to say it's a butt dial or somebody, somebody's playing a prank? I or, think you know. technically they're supposed to call you call back. If you call and hang up, they will call you back. Yeah. But if she do- can't say anything. Well, my my nephew called accidentally on my phone. And I remember them calling me back and saying, are you okay? And I said, I'm so sorry. Oh, I would, then, be, I would be mortified. <laughs> that happened to me one time. I was at my neighbor's, um, at my at Kiter's house. And um, his sister was there too, Jadon. And I was... Um, Try to pick up her phone, I guess, or how I grabbed it. This was just the old school landline. Just you punch the the number thing on there. Um, not even a cordless. The one, one like, dial, like the button yeah. that. Went yeah. <laughs> and then they called back, and Jadon was on the phone, and they're like, "Some, you know, you some, you know, somebody called," and she's like, "No, I didn't." And then I said, "Oh, I accidentally called them." <laughs> it was embarrassing. <laughs> <laughs> but it's good that they check in with you for sure. But. Um, okay, Ruth, anything else on your end? Um, I think that's it for now. Or Yeah. Cool. Well, okay. It's that time again for... Recast! We close each episode with the recast game, where we each play casting director and choose a different actor from any era, living or dead, to portray a character in the film instead. First up is Eric. Yay! I'm gonna make Fahad's day or steal his recast because it occurred to me he made a thing, thought of the same thing. I wanted to recast the man. Um, he was a little sort of goofy cute to me. I agree with that. Um, and so I wanted to recast him with somebody who had a, a similar look, but a more, a little more um, sternness in his face. And menace, he's Fahad smiling. I hope I didn't pick the same person he wanted to do it. I was gonna <laughs> recast him with Michael Rosenbaum. Okay, no, no. Okay, <laughs> I'm really worried. Interesting. Uh, okay. Yeah, I think uh, he, you know, he can make a scary look at people, and I thought that that would um, amp up the tension a bit. Cool. Okay, you did not steal mine, so that's good, Shelley. All right, so I would also recast the man. But I am going to make it all come together and I'm going to recast um, him with, I think his name is Zach Guilford, who yeah. played Riley. Nice. In, um, Midnight Mass. So you're bringing it all in there. <laughs> yeah. And Fahad, he was in Midnight Club as the nurse, right? He was, yes. I also didn't recognize him in that. I had to be told. <laughs> yeah, I was I was thrown off by that too. But uh, Shelly, that's, that's a nice one because... Yeah, it does the whole flan again using people. And that's nice. The two main characters who are after each other were the two main. And 
And then they were in Midnight Mass together. And she wrote that book. Yes. <laughs> um, next up is Takia. Okay, so I decided to rehast Maddie with Natalie Portman. I saw, I don't know if they resemble each other, but just, I've seen Natalie Portman play some pretty badass actors. She's, a, she's pretty versatile with the, the things she's yeah. done. I feel like, I like Natalie Portman. actors and actresses yeah. that have been like versatile that go from like one genre to the other. And she's done that. She had, you know, Black Swan, that she had the professional, then the, the Walmart move, which is pregnant the Walmart. Was that Where the Heart Goes or something? Like that? And what movie did we watch? Box Lux. Lux. Oh, Box Lux, that's right. Yes. So all the all that versatility. So I thought she'd be kind of interesting as as Maddie. So I thought that was gonna be so that's Natalie good. Portman, that's good. She's she's an actress who can act in different roles. So yeah. uh Ruth. So I wanted to recast Maggie as well. And she also reminded me of a different actress, which I like. Um that show Downton Abbey. Um, lady, she was on the first two or three seasons. Um, her character was Lady Sybil, um, and her name is Jessica Brown Finley. She's a British act- actress. So I guess if you all looked her up at some point, you might be like, oh my gosh, she, they do kind of look alike. But yeah, I'll definitely have to look her up. Yeah. Cool. Well, thank you. I was curious if everybody was going to recast the man or everybody was going to recast Maddie because it's such a small cast. Or somebody's like, I'm going to recast her sister, Max. Um, but uh, so for me, I've also recasted the man. Um, I, I didn't go the route that Eric, you went with Michael Rosenbaum or Shelly, you went with Zach Guilford or whatever. Um, I kind of went with similar look to what this guy had. Um, and I went with Aaron Paul, who you all might know from Breaking Bad. I did. Yep. Yeah, so I think he'd be kind of a fun person to see play this kind of dockery and have that kind of maniacalness where he's actually enjoying what he's doing to her. And I could see that. See, I haven't seen Breaking Bad. So for me, that wouldn't work because he's too likable. I don't know if he isn't likable in Breaking Bad. I'm wondering if that's where you're coming from. (laughs) But the actor John Gallagher Jr. who plays the man, he was likable in Belko Experiment. We were rooting for him to win. I need what? to rewatch that movie because I loved it, but I don't remember anybody in it. I I'm pretty sure he was the main guy. <laughs> is Aaron Ball the one with the blonde hair guy? Yeah. The one? Okay. Yeah. Big Love as well. Oh. If you've was, ever seen that. He was in Big Love. Oh, really? I have seen that. I love that show. He was um, Amanda. What was her name in that show? Amanda Seyfried? What was her yeah. name? I don't know the character. Boyfriend. Oh, okay. Ben, I, no, no, that was her brother. I forget his name in it. It's been a long time since I've seen it. I tell everyone to watch that show, but nobody listens to me. I loved that. Loved it so much. I was crazy about the ending. I didn't like the last, very last episode, but. Cool. Those were some fun recasts for a movie with a very small cast. <laughs> um, I'm glad. I, almost, I almost recast The Boyfriend that shows up and dies, but it was also going to be Michael Rosenbaum. So. <laughs> oh, okay. <laughs> Did you watch something recently with Michael Rosenbaum in it? No. <laughs> uh, um, actually, I was contemplating recasting The Man with uh, Rupert Grint or Daniel Radcliffe, which was funny that we talked about Daniel Radcliffe in this. Just because I want to see Dan- Daniel in kind of a villainous role where he's like what we saw in uh, The Lost City. Uh, or What was that? Yeah. That's comedy. I don't know if I could watch him play a villain, a straight villain. You know? I, think, I think it could work. 
Um, okay, great. Well, I think uh, we are now at the point where we can rate this movie. So if everybody can open up their chat windows and type in your ratings from zero to five, you can use quarter increments and uh, go ahead and put it in and then put your thumb up when you are ready. I'd be curious what would make you all rate a movie a zero. <laughs> oh God, I don't think I ever could. I don't, I, don't okay. I, don't, I don't know what a zero would be. Oh, uh, I, I would give, uh, you know, all those uh, uh, Hollywood Christian movies, like I'm Not Ashamed or God Is Not Dead. I would give every single one a zero. I don't even need to see it. <laughs> yeah, I'm not sure what I would give. Um, okay, so I'm going to count down from three. And on the row of zero, go ahead and hit enter. Three, two, one, zero. You go so fast, I don't get the, the row. <laughs> Ah, <laughs> um, uh, Eric, you and I just missed out on our uh, poopers uh, for for uh, in a row. Um, Shelly, for some reason, I didn't get your chat again, it but you can read it out to me. I will read them out to you. Yeah. Um, Fahad four point two five, Eric four, Ruth three point five, Shelly three point five, Takia four. Thank you. Nice, solid ratings. We are at a 3.85 total. Oh, that's good. Yeah. Yeah, that's, I see that's, I think that's a fair rating. I think so. Loverly. <laughs> Beautiful. We broke several streaks with this movie in a, in a bad way. Eric, you and I did not continue our same scores that we've done for this. Well, we should have colluded. Round. <laughs> um. <laughs> I'm trying to see where it started. Uh, oh, it, it, yeah, it didn't. It started with Tell It to the Bees. Tell It to the Bees, Goodfellas, and Toy Soldiers. We rated all the exact same. Mm -hmm. we, had, we had three in a row? Three in a row. That's good. We've never broken three in a row. Right? Yeah. Um, and this also broke to Kia's fives. Tell It to the Bees is a better movie than this. Eric was getting... I'm a little surprised to hear that you would rewatch Tell the Bees before rewatching this because or you're Toy a Soldiers. horror fan. They're yeah. all they're all different movies. I like all different. Like they're they're all different. But you're a genres. big horror fan. I am, but I, I like there's other things I like, I like too. Like, like White Oleander, I'd watch that over and over again. Remember that from last year? So that's how versatile I am. I, I, I mainly like horror and action. Yeah, but, but White Oleander only got a four. I don't know why. Got a five. I don't know. Also, can... there's there's murder in White Oleander, so you know. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Uh, so explains it as why I choose why I choose, but yeah. yeah. No, it's uh, it's very it's very interesting. I think um, what I find interesting is that you like Tell It to the Bees more than you like Die Hard and The Shining. I'd say that with The Shining, it's it's good. I, I don't I just don't know if I get that five. Well, Die Hard, because I know you Die Hard's one of your favorite movies, right? Yeah. I don't know. Yeah, I, I don't know. Yeah. <laughs> I'm just I'm I'm picking on Tell It to the Bees because that's just the weirdest one of them all to me. <laughs> I like the, the, the story was I like the storyline. It's just, just a, a good flow. Yeah. Like it's yeah, good acting. It just yeah. I'm just yeah. I, know. I know I I get it. You like seeing Anna Paquin's tits. Doesn't exactly. That's right, Shelly. I'm gonna go watch <laughs> True Blood now. Yeah. <laughs> It's all in solidarity for Ruth, you know, nudity of Anna Paquin. <laughs> I thought I remember hearing that she had a breast double on True Blood, but she definitely didn't have one on Tell It to the Beast. So I don't know if she like 
maybe I misheard that, or maybe she got older and decided I actually want to flaunt. <laughs> She's like, want I'm cool with flaunt. that. <laughs> awesome. Well, I think we're good with the ratings. So is there anything else anybody wanted to say before we close for the evening? Well, I just want to hear what our next movie is. Okay, let's move on to Eric, who's going to introduce to us the next film. Okay. <laughs> so you guys are not going to like this. <laughs> but oh I am Be preparing this for the best purpose. or worse. But Do we all have the ability to, ability to veto a show? Yes, we all veto. <laughs> no, it's not democracy or a bureaucracy. I'm just kidding. The dictatorship. <laughs> it's my cycle. <laughs> <laughs> well, it's it's my turn on the next cycle. Um, this is a blind spot for me. Uh, from one of my favorite <laughs> film studios. Very low budget. <laughs> Um, very crazy. And, and so I thought I'd subject you guys to it to see, to see what you think about it. So our next movie is going to be Traumas, Tromeo and Juliet. Oh gosh. A, a B-movie classic from 1996, uh, but it was written by James Gunn, famous now oh. for the Guardians of the Galaxy movies and the Suicide Squad. For, and he is now the new co-CEO for DC Comics uh, film. So it's available on Peacock and Tubi. Uh, obviously, it's based loosely on the Romeo and Juliet story. <laughs> the tagline here reads, body piercing, kinky sex, dismemberment, the things that made Shakespeare great. So that's a little of what to look forward to. Uh, I hope you'll go in with an open mind. It's, these are supposed to be wild rides. It will probably be very offensive. So that should generate some interesting conversation. Uh, and I don't know in what ways it will be uh, offensive. Uh, every trauma film I've watched has found its own <laughs> way to be offensive. It's it's a it's a piece of cinematic history. Well, this might be our first zero. <laughs> <laughs> it might. I, I absolutely have already accepted yeah. the fact that it's going to drag down my overall half range. <laughs> <laughs> But you know what? That's the purpose of what we we're doing. You know, we're wanting to expose everybody to different things and to yeah. see stuff. And that's true. You know, yeah. I I uh, yeah. I exposed you all to the game, so it's only fair that we're watching this. Try try to um, not just keep an open mind. Try to get in the spirit. Of it. <laughs> Eric means get drunk. <laughs> hey hey, do what you need to. <laughs> Have a couple glasses of wine and then put this on. Cool. So it's on yeah, Peacock like, and Jimmy. Awesome. Yep. This is amazing. <laughs> cool. Oh. I mean, maybe should our theme for this final week be everybody pick out what you think is the most outrageous movie you can I would love up. that actually. Pick a pick make us watch a movie that you think we're probably not gonna like. I had already picked out like, uh, <laughs> the <laughs> never mind. <laughs> no, I'm if you want me to change. No, no, no. If you if you already have one you're excited about, don't change. Cool. Um, well, with that, I declare this episode of Old Fogies and Films concluded. Thanks for joining us. You can find us on Facebook and find our list on Letterboxd. Don't forget to leave a comment or review. Everybody, sign goodbye. Bye. That's not <laughs> signing, Ruth. It's supposed oh, to be silent. I know. <laughs> Power.